So, we're going to be talking about Jesus, the controller of the universe. See, we as Christians believe that God is the creator of the world. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we talked about it uh, the last few weeks, how when he did, the cre- when God created, it's God, the Son, and the Spirit did the creating. It, the Trinity is involved in the creation of, of the universe. It's, it's not just one figure, it's the three in one are all in that first chapter of Genesis. And then, I wouldn't have done this, that's why I wouldn't make a good God. But, but God decided in Genesis 2.15 to put man in charge of the garden. And he he, he, in, it says in Genesis 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. You know, that's funny because people think that work is something from the fall, yet this was pre-fall and God said to work it. So work has been something that we were supposed to do before the fall. So I actually think it's something we're going to do when we get to heaven too. So it was because the garden was the most perfect place on the planet, but we were to work it. See, if you, and this is why Hebrews is so relevant for today, is because we live in a society today, because I know quite a few employers that can't find employees because nobody wants to work. I don't know what happened in the world. I do. COVID was some of it. But it changed society. And you can't find people to work. And when when you offer good money, because a guy offers really good start and pay, really, for, for walking dogs, he can't find employees. And it, it's crazy but that nobody wants to work. But we, it was, it's not, that's not, the fall didn't create work. God created work when he created us. We are supposed to be working, workers, and we're supposed to work. God also controls the world, and someday when Christ returns, he will re- rule and reign. We talk about Christ ruling and reigning now, and he does, but only in the, in, in, the, in the exception that he rules and reigns over everything, but he doesn't rule over everybody right now. He, he only rules over and reigns over the people that have accepted him to be their Lord. The people out there, he still lets them do whatever they want. He lets them because he knows that is how they're going to meet him. Is, is by allowing them to live the life that they're living. Hit their bottom and maybe at that point, and I say maybe, they will have this epiphany that they belong to something better than this world. Men and angels are not capable of ruling the world. We were never designed to rule this world. We were actually designed, if you go back to the, the verse I read about Adam, was to care for this world. Not to rule it, but to care for it. 
And uh, the Bible speaks of Christ reigning in Revelation eleven fifteen. He says this, Then the seventh angel blew with his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the Lord has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Do you know what's amazing about this? He will reign in the new world, and he will be totally in control. And we, as God's children, man as God's children, made lower than the angels, will reign with him forever. How amazing will that be? How glorious will that day be? I am excited for that day. I am not afraid of dying at all. I'm like with R.C. Sproul, if you know who he is. He said this one day, I'm not afraid to die. It's how I'm going to die that I'm afraid of. I know where I'm going when I die. If I could choose the way I die, it would be in my sleep. But you don't get to choose. And there might be a little bit of pain on this side. But the other side is so amazing that when we get there, we won't even remember the pain that we experienced. So, Hebrews 2, 1 through 3. Therefore, we must pay... Well, therefore, right there, we've got to go, therefore what? So what we've learned over the last two weeks, he's going, therefore, if God is superior to everything, that's what he said in the first chapter, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. So, at the beginning of chapter 2, it's a faithful warning. The first three, it's a warning to us. You see, there is a warning about departing from the Word of God. See, this, we, we, we discussed this over the first two weeks, is that this book was written to Jewish people, the Hebrew nation, that were adding or just wiping out Jesus. Or adding to Jesus. Making it Jesus plus whatever. But making it something that it wasn't. And so what happened is Hebrews got written to that people. But the reason I think God told me to preach out of Hebrews is because Hebrews is happening right now in this world. We have neglected what God says. You just have to look and watch the news and see what's happening. So he says, take heed of the teachers and teachings uh, we have heard. The false teachers forget the truth of salvation. You see, we forget how we're saved. 
See, 2 Peter 1, 4 through 10 says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort... So there is some effort, by the way, but we always, you're saved by grace. But, but the Bible keeps telling us we are responsible to do something. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. So obviously, we keep getting commandments through the whole New Testament that there is a behavior change. We get saved by grace, but there's a behavior change when you're saved by grace. You don't stay the same. For in these qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we wonder why our fruit is, our, our tree is not, have fruit on it. It's because we're not living like we say we believe. For whoever lacks these qualities, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. He's been washed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. See, but then we have disobedience. See, those who reject the teachings of our Lord were punished. This is a warning. There's a warning in these first three verses that if you don't submit to Christ, there is going to be punishment. It might not be now, but in the end there's going to be a punishment. And, he, and God punished the angels. In Jude 5, 7, he says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. This is angels that decided that they didn't want to be a part of God's plan. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And then Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 says this, Have you, How you are fallen from heaven. O dear star, son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will set on the mount of assembly in the far reaches at the 
of the north. I will ascend above the height of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. He's saying, I threw you out of heaven. Because you didn't want to do what you was purposed to do. Punishment. And then, let's take a look at Noah. And actually, there's a good special on Prime about Noah and the flood right now. Uh, that would be, ve- it's very interesting and would, would be very beneficial to watch. Uh, because people think Noah, you know, the animals go two by two, do, 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 do. It's a children's story. It's a children's story. I wasn't even brought up in church and I knew the animals went two by two into the, into, into the ark. It was a children's story. But it really, think about the story of Noah. What's, what sort of children's story wipes out millions of people and animals? I don't know that I would read that kind of children's story to my child, you know. So it's not really a children's story. And it really did happen. There's so much evidence, by the way, that the flood actually happened. That it, can, it will blow your mind. I'm telling you, if you've got Amazon Prime video, you should watch the special. I think it's called uh, Noah the Flood. It might be, it's not just Noah, it's either the flood or Noah. If you ask me, I'll look it up later and tell you it's great. I've watched the first two. There's four parts and I've watched the first two. The first one's amazing because it shows you in detail all of the actions that happen and what evidence there is today and what, do you realize this is why this is relevant today? Before the flood, before the flood, there was an abundance. Of everything before the flood. You could walk down the street and pick up gems off of, the, off of the grass. They were just lying there. So what did man do? Man worshipped everything except for Christ. They started worshipping creation. So do you know how the mountains are all jagged now? They weren't jagged before Noah's time. They, were, they would have been smooth and they would have had grass and beautiful flowers that we probably have never never seen growing up on these mountains and everything before the flood and and this 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 amazing beautiful place but what does man do man gets enjoyment out of violence he makes idols he starts worshiping everything because he's got an abundance of everything so god says I'm going to flood the earth and punish the people because they don't worship me. They worship what I created. So, so this is what Noah 6, 11, 12, and 13 says. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth. Does that sound familiar, by the way? The earth was filled with violence. Sound pretty familiar. We could write this today. And God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. And God said to Noah, because 
I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So what God did is say, Noah, I'm going to have you build an ark. And by the way, Noah was the most righteous. He was actually saved by grace, no different to you and me. He was a wretched sinner like me and you. And the, the term used when he says chosen is grace. It was like God went, hey, yeah, Noah, you'll do. Put him back down and says, look, I've got a plan. You're going to build a boat. By the way, you've never even seen rain. So I'm going to have to explain this to you. You're going to build this huge boat and we're going to, we're going to put animals on it, two by two, and we're going to offer salvation to the people out there, offer them to repent, and they can board the boat. But they've never seen rain. The, water, the earth at that time was, was watered by a mist. There was no thunder. There was none of this, this uh, storms and all the stuff we suffer from today. It was beautiful. And, the, and everywhere you looked was beautiful. But now... So Noah is preaching and building a boat for 120 years. And he builds this boat and nobody wants anything to do with Noah because they think, nah. That's part of the reason, though, by the way, if you could convince people that Noah isn't real and the flood isn't real, it's easy to, to, to that's the first foothold of the devil, by the way to tell you that the, the flood wasn't real. Because if he can do that, you're not going to believe that, that uh, fire is going to come down and God is going to baptize by fire at the end of the day. That's what the Bible says, not me. You see, first it was water, then it's going to be fire. He is going to punish. Okay? This is what it's trying to tell you. It's warning you. Stay true to who you believe in. That's what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. We have these two angels show up. These angels show up and they come to town and they go, hey, and, and Lot meets them at the gate because he just happens to be at the gate at that time. And they go, no, we're going to stay in the town square. Lot goes, no, you're not. Because they would have been raped and, and whatever done to them, beaten, raped, whatever, in the town square because that's what Sodom did. Sodom and Gomorrah, that was what it was known for. Uh, you name it, it happened. So Lot talked them eventually to go into his house. So they go into the house, but then the guys come knocking on the door and they say, let me in, let me in, let me in. And he goes, no, you're not having them men. Here, have my daughters. I think that was a failing point for, for Lot. No, you can't have these two dudes that, that just uh, are visiting me, but you can have my daughters. Here you go. Do whatever you want with my daughters. But the angels said no and caused blindness over the people, and they left the town. The wife turned back. She turned to a pillar of salt as God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. We have to remember this about God, by the way, is what I'm trying to get at. That's why I said this, there's bad news, but there's also good news. So, God will destroy he, he, if God destroyed these people, how can we escape his judgment? Well, 
Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free, free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And we've got to remember this last word, our Lord. I think we think we take the salvation without putting him as Lord over our lives. You see, salvation is free. You can't do anything to earn it. But here's, here's how you've got to look at it. That yes, I'm saved by grace, but that means that I need to change because I want to please the God who saved me. Not because you have to, because you get to. You get to be a part of his kingdom. You get to be a part of his work. To hear, to, to, to be a, a model of, to other people around us. And in Revolution, Revelation 20, 11 through 15 says this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. The death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That means if you are not a believer, if you're not a Christian, that is where you're going. This isn't a howl and fire brimstone message. I'm just telling you. You see, this is what blows my mind is when people come to me and say, can you pray for this person because they're sick? My first question is, do they know Jesus? It really doesn't matter if they die from whatever they've got. If they don't know Jesus, it's going to be bad for them. So what's more important for me? To pray for them to get healed or to pray for them to know Jesus? It's to pray for them to know Jesus. If God heals them, he's going to heal them. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Because here's the deal. He does heal everybody if they know him. Either this side of heaven or that side of heaven, you're going to be healed. It's about relationship with Christ. So the most important thing is when you know somebody that's sick, is it, do they know Jesus? Because hell is a real place. And if they die not knowing Jesus, they don't just die here, but they die forever. We don't know if they know Jesus, by the way. They know if they know Jesus. Jesus knows. if. And I tell you this, Jesus loves them more than you do. So he's going to reach down to them till their last breath. But if they deny him, he does not take them because this is what I'm... Now, now, to put the spin on this, God is a loving father, isn't he? So, so you go... My, 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 I had this conversation with my sister, so I had to prep for this answer. So my, my sister goes, well, if God is such a loving person, how many people have heard that before? Why would he let anybody go to hell? 
And I say, if God, God's such a loving person, why would he make somebody who's denied him his whole life be forced to be in his presence? Because if I hate God here, don't put me in your presence. I hate you now. I don't want to be in your presence when I die. I don't like you now. I'm not going to like you then. That's, that's why God, God doesn't force anybody to be in his presence. He wants you to be in his presence. He wants you to love and accept him. But he's not going to force you to love and accept him. It goes on to say this in verse 4. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his Will. You see, there's a faithful witness. Jesus and God did not leave no witnesses. He didn't leave anything. God, God's work, he gave by witness. He gave witness by it. He gave signs, wonders, and miracles. In Mark 16 and 20, he says this, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. And 20 says, And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. And then we get the gift of the Spirit. This is what's so amazing about God. And this is what, how I think I got saved, and I think everybody gets saved the same way. So I was sitting in a, in a funeral home, Sunset Funeral Home, and I was at a funeral, and David was doing the, 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 the funeral, and I was sitting in the front row because it was my father-in-law, and my mother-in-law was on one side, my wife was on the other side. I'm in the middle, told him I'd never step foot in church. It makes me laugh every time I say it now because I'm here, and, and God is funny. So, uh, never tell God never. I believe that you cannot understand this message without the Holy Spirit. So what I believe happened to me, I was sitting in the front row, the Holy Spirit come on me, Why David was preaching, it, 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 I was already saved at that point, by the way, and I hadn't done a thing, because I think Jesus does the saving. And I turned to my wife and said, hey, I told her I'd never go to church. I said, hey, we need to check out this God thing at church on Sunday. You should have seen her face. She's like, are you possessed? I mean, I told her I'd never step foot in church over and over and over again. This church was praying for me. My wife prayed every night for 11 years. She prayed this. She said, Ed's a good person. Little, she was being generous, by the way. She said, Ed's a good person. If he dies in his sleep, if he dies in his sleep, please take him home with you. Well, he knew he couldn't do that because I didn't want any part of him. And he would have been, at that point in my life, he would have been punishing me to make me be in his presence. So being a loving God, she had to pray for 11 years for a not-so-good man. Okay, but God knew what she was praying for. 
And this church was praying for me. And then at that funeral, God said, this is the time I'm going to save him. And I was a dead person at the bottom of the ocean. And the Holy Spirit come on me and pulled me up from the ocean so I could hear the message and realize that I was a sinful human being that needed his grace poured out on my life. That's what changed me. Because I thought if somebody would do that for me, how can I not do stuff for him? Not because I have to, because I get to. I, this is probably the most stressful but most beautiful job I've ever had. In one job. I mean, it is, it is because you've got the pressure and, and I, need to, I need to rely on God more in that aspect because God's in control. I need to keep saying that over and over and over again to myself because I believe it, but sometimes I like am overwhelmed. So it's the most stressful job I've ever had, but the most beautiful. I wouldn't change it for the world. It it it, it takes a lot of time. It it's a lot of energy. It's it it's a lot of stuff that I'm not used to doing. Uh, by the way, I didn't read books until I became a Christian. So I have only been reading for the last 19 years. Uh, for 33 years of my life, I really didn't read until about a year before I became a Christian. I read. I could read. I, it wasn't not that I couldn't read, but I didn't read. I thought it was pointless. Now, I like to read, but it's still hard for me. But, but, but God changed me because he put the Spirit inside me. He did that to all of you. If you believe in Jesus, he had put the Spirit in you. And you've got the Spirit living in you right now. 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols. However, you were led, therefore, I want... However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So, if you do not have the Holy Spirit on you, you can't even claim that Jesus is Lord and mean it and mean it and actually submit to it. God's will, according to his will. You see, Psalms 43.10 says this about seeking God's will. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. We are supposed to seek God's will. We're supposed to look how God wants to use. How many of you get up in the morning and before you do anything, you say, God, I want your will in my life today. I want you to work through me because even if you have a job, wherever you're going, God is going to use that job. He's not going to say, hey, I don't want you to go to work today because I told you at the beginning of the sermon, God is all about work. So he's not going to tell you not to go to work, but if you submit to him in the morning, he's going to say, hey, I've got these people you're going to meet while you're at work. You need to be a witness for me. 
and you need to you need to you need to do my will in their lives not what you want not to get benefit because of you because how often do we help somebody because of, of what's going to happen if we help them how it's going to benefit me if i help them how it's going to make me look better if i help them we've all done it we all go i serve because I'm doing this for God, but in the end, we like the pats on the back. Nobody's going to deny that you don't like patted on the back. But we're supposed to be doing it for God and doing it for His will. We're to surrender to God's will. John seven seventeen. Jesus says this, and if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. So he's saying, if you're in God's will, you'll know. You'll know what's right and what's wrong. You'll know it. You'll hear it and you'll believe it. We need to be sincere to God's will. Ephesians 6, 6 says, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So not just giving God lip service. Oh, we believe in you, God. We love you, God. We, we believe you. We, you're our Lord. But not doing anything. He says we're to be bondservants to him. That means we are to work with him. We are his property. You see, here's why we're bond servants. Because we were brought at a cost. Jesus paid the price for you and me. He brought you at a cost. And we, that, that we can be separated from God's will. This is why Romans 12, 1 and 2 to appeal, he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then he says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We are to submit our lives to him. We're to follow him. Every single moment of every single day. Hebrews uh, 2, 5 through 7 says this, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with the glory and honor. There's a future world if you believe in Jesus. See, this is God's plan. God did not create the angels to rule the world. Christ controls all things. He is equal to God. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him all things were created. This is talking about Jesus, by the way. By him. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for 
him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There's prophecy. This is, this is uh, man is nothing in the sight of God. Isaiah says that man is a grasshopper, a grasshopper compared to God. This is what Isaiah 40, 22 says. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants, that's you and me, are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell on. This is God who does that. And God provides. You know what condensation is? You know, water evaporates, it hits something, it gets... Jesus condensated. I, I, I just like this imagery, by the way. The, it's, condensation is the act of changing. That's basically what it is. It's, it's, it's the evaporation of water, gets cold, turns back into... Uh, steam then it, it goes to steam it goes to, gets cold it turns to water it so it's, it's a vapor then it's a solid water that's it changes so it's it's an act of changing and what did jesus do philippians 2 7 says but emptied himself he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man God, our God, put on flesh, put on flesh and came as a man. And at the end, remember, uh, Andrew said uh, earlier that at the, at, the, at the table, when they're all fighting over, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, who's going to sit by, when we get to this, who's going to be in charge, who's going to wash the feet, because I'm not lower than you. And Jesus is... I, I just picture this Jesus like going, oh my God. How many hours have I got to extend that? I've got to teach him again. So be Jesus being Jesus and takes every opportunity to teach us, he goes and gets his, takes his groan, puts a towel around him and he gets the basin and he washes all, that, all the disciples' feet and he tells them, whoever his first will become Last or least. See, God was, Jesus was teaching up until, he was hours away from being uh, prosecuted and killed. And they were squabbling over who is the greatest, who's going to wash the feet. Because I'm not going to do it. You're lower than me. I'm in the top three because Jesus takes me everywhere. I'm not doing it. I'm going to be at his right hand when we, when we get to heaven. And, and, and Jesus used it as a teaching opportunity to say, look, I've done this. It, 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 it's a beautiful picture of Jesus actually taking off his robes, leaving heaven, becoming a servant, and stooping down and wiping up our mess and cleaning us. That foot washing is more than just a foot washing. It's the whole symbolic action of everything he did in his 33 years of ministry. 
He's going to have a crown. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Jesus has a name. His name is above every single name. And Jesus is in control. And in, in, uh, Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says, So that at the name of Jesus, every, every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth and under earth. That means everybody, even the people that don't believe in him, are going to bow. They're going to go, oh crap. We should have believed in this guy. I know where we're going now, but... And, and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, as Christians, what does this mean? It means that we should permit Christ to rule and reign in our hearts. We should allow Him the rule and reign of our hearts. We should allow Him to rule our actions in our day. We should allow Him to rule how we act with other people. We should, be, we should be praying for our enemies. We should be lifting up people that we don't like. We should be praying for everybody. We should be loving everybody. We don't have to agree with anybody that doesn't line up with Scripture's way of thinking. But we should be praying for everybody. Especially to meet Jesus. Because here's the thing. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I know what's out there right now looks chaotic. And looks like a bad time going on. I think it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. But what better time to be in the world and be a Christian. And be a witness. But God's love. And God's grace. And God's mercy. So we should allow him to be our Lord and Master. He should have first place in our life. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He is going to return. He's going to reign at his appointed time. I can tell you this. Do you know what I know about him coming back? This is my prophecy. Since we started this church service, we're an hour and a half closer to Jesus coming back. That's what I'm going to tell you. That's my prophecy. We're an hour and a half closer than we were when we started church. He is going to come back. And when he does, we that he will return to reign at his appointed time. And at that point, he reigns over everything and everyone. We then shall reign with him forever. If we suffer with him, suffer here, because I'm telling you, the world's not getting any better. Part of being a Christian is being hated. Just so you know. People don't like what we believe. There's a lot of hate for what we believe. And if everybody likes you, I would say you're doing a poor job of being a Christian. But if we suffer with him, we will reign with him, 2 Timothy 2.12 says. 
And then the verse goes on to say that if we deny him, if we deny him, he will deny us. There's a time, and Jesus talked about it, when he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And the goats are going to say, hey, hey, we prophesied in your name. We did this, we did this, we did this. And he goes, get away from me. I didn't, I didn't know you. Because you did it for worldly gain and not for the kingdom of God. So, because I'm doing the rest of Hebrews 2 next week, which is really good news because it's about the supremacy of the Savior, the sovereign Savior. So next week is going to be mostly good news, and which is really good because I like good news. And Jesus is a sovereign Savior. He has saved us. So this week, I want you to pick out your Bibles, blow off the dust, open it up to Hebrews 2 and read verses 8 to 18 to get ready for next week's sermon series, the next part of the sermon series in the supremacy of Christ. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for being an awesome, amazing, great God that you poured out your Son on us, that you alone are the Savior of the universe, and we get to worship you, and we get to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.